Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 42 of Ask the CEO with Abraham Gatile. Today, it is my honor to introduce a very special guest. He is the founder and chief prototyper at Kizendi, a lean innovation studio, bringing pioneering commercial prototype solutions to a range of different industries. As chief prototyper, he works to engage companies by demonstrating the opportunities that come with emerging technologies. Working exclusively with the HoloLens platform, Kizendi delivers innovation on a daily basis for clients looking to break with traditional industry molds. Kizendi presents companies with a unique opportunity to explore new ground and enhance consumer engagement on an unprecedented level through this new and groundbreaking technology. Kizendi has become Europe's leading HoloLens studio and has created bespoke commercial projects for brands such as Unilever Alliance and Celagen, among others. It is my honor and pleasure to welcome the one and only Max Doel. Welcome, Max. Hey, how's it going? Going well. How are you doing today? Very good. <laughs> Fantastic. Where do you call home, by the way? London in the UK is uh, my home base, but I'm traveling internationally. I just came back from LA actually uh, two days ago because we launched the Remy Martin uh, world's first luxury brand experience on HoloLens. Fantastic. So you weren't too far from me. Well, relatively speaking, I'm in New York. <laughs> LA. I was there on Monday as well. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. So Max, you're in a very exciting industry working with uh, virtual reality, augmented reality. One of the things that I find truly interesting is uh, what, your, what your company displayed over at the UC Expo, uh, mm. UC Expo 2017, uh, because my industry is unified communications. So mm. if we could just start with that, I mean, wow, it's so fascinating to think, how do you mix virtual reality with phones? I mean, what we do is we use Microsoft HoloLens and HoloLens is a mixed reality device that allows you to see holograms in your real world. And for the ones out there who haven't had the pleasure yet of trying out HoloLens, simply think of the movie Star Wars. When you've seen Leia coming out as a hologram in the movie, this is basically what HoloLens allows you to see. So just thinking about the communications industry, right? Um, mm. how, would, how would businesses uh, implement that with regards to their communications? One of our uh, requests that we receive most often from clients is remote assistance. So imagine being an engineer, uh, you're off-site at a remote location, for instance, on an oil rig somewhere out in the sea, and you're facing a challenge that you've not come across before. Currently, you would ring a colleague using your phone that sits somewhere in Europe or somewhere in the US and try to describe them the problem. Maybe you even have the chance to just take a picture, send him the picture and he looks at it and probably tells you, can you send it to me from a different angle? <laughs> you might even want to use Skype if you're really advanced so you can at least see some sort of video recording and you're trying to fiddle around with that, see if you can make it work, but he still has to tell you what he thinks might be the problem. On HoloLens, we can now actually stream live what the user is seeing in a first-person perspective. So really allowing your colleague to see what you see. Mm -hmm. But then they can actually draw into your environment. So just imagine when your daughter is trying to fix the sink, you could simply draw a holographic error and say, this is the pipe you need to unscrew, not the other one. 
Wow. So yeah, just thinking of the different types of industries that this can have an impact in, because, you know, if, if you think about it, um, the perception that exists around virtual reality and augmented reality is gaming, right? That, which is also an industry in and of itself. And mm. that's a commercial application. But if you think about it, this technology is changing the way the world works. I mean, any kind of industry. So just like you mentioned, uh, the technical support, um, car mechanics can provide remote assistance if you're stuck somewhere in the desert. Uh, they can pretty much walk you through fixing a carburetor. Absolutely. And that's really kind of the crucial difference between virtual reality, augmented and mixed reality. In virtual reality, we are completely engulfed in the digital world. And from a technical definition, I would always say that in virtual reality, all light that you see is created by a digital screen. So you cannot see the real world at all anymore. Mm. Augmented reality, you can still see the real world. And one of the examples is, for instance, Google Glass. And in more general terms, we're talking about heads-up displays. So yes, I can still see the real world, but something augments what I'm seeing. And usually it's a heads-up display, you know, for instance, Google Glass or fighter jet pilot helmets or Epsom Barrier, Vuzix. But the technology is fairly dumb. Because if you think about it, you move your head, the information continues to move with you and stays in the same spot. So I'm quite limited what I can display. In mixed reality, we now have the chance to actually understand the environment. So HoloLens knows where you are. It understands the objects in your environment and allows you to place virtual information as holograms into your real world. To give you an example, imagine a holographic football in front of me. I can now turn away and the football stays there. So as soon as I turn back, I can see it again. But I can also take the football, throw it up in the air, and it actually will detect the floor beneath me and start to bounce. Wow, that's fascinating. So let's uh, throw out another, another famous name, uh, Star Trek, right? Uh, the holodeck. So you could literally have a football game, a, 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 an international football game with people all, all, across, the, all across the globe. Absolutely. So on HoloLens, we're talking about shared holographic experiences, and that's really the, the opportunity where we have a complete new form of collaboration. Again, talking about communication. We've got kind of three different types. The first of all, kind of single user experience, you're just by yourself, you're in your old world of mixed reality. Then we've got the in-person shared holographic experience, meaning, for instance, if the two of us are in the same room, you, we can both see the same holographic information. So we can both see the whole football in the same place and user A can control it and user B sees the update. But then we also have the remote shared holographic experience, meaning that if you're in New York, I'm in London, we both choose, for instance, one cubic meter of area that is shared. And if I place a football in there, you will see the football appear in the same relative area within this cube. And then obviously we also have the hybrid form of some people being in person and some being remote away. And this allows us really to collaborate in completely new ways. And seeing that the world always moves further towards giving people independence to work from, whenever, from wherever they want, this is really a technology that will change fundamentally how we collaborate. Absolutely. So talking about uh, remote workers, because this is something that will impact each and every one of us immediately. 
uh, you know, once that once the technology becomes mainstream. So could you give some examples of how remote workers would utilize this technology in the corporate world? So first of all, what we previously discussed remote assistance is a classic one, both kind of in person, but also having this hybrid shared option of allowing other colleagues to see what they see. The next thing is obviously um, having the ability to work using HoloLens. The most simple example is when I'm traveling in LA, for instance, last week, I usually have a second screen standing next to my laptop to allow me to have more screen space because I need to switch between different tasks. On HoloLens, I can theoretically have infinite screen estate. I can have a screen here, a screen here, a screen here. I can have three more over here. And actually, I can put up six more in my hotel bathroom. Because the cool thing is, I can walk into the bathroom, I've got my six screens, I can't see the other ones because of the different room. And I walk back into the other room, I've got my six more screens. And this is really what shows what the power of this new holographic technology is, allowing me to just take my environment with me. Wow. So the first thought that comes to mind is traveling on an airplane. I got my little laptop on my tray and I could put a screen on my neighbor's <laughs> tray and another one up on the ceiling and all over the place. And I could work spread out without being confined to that little screen. Absolutely. Fantastic. How do I get one of these? <laughs> <laughs> Microsoft Store Online in the US is 3,000 US dollars. In the UK, it's 2,700 pounds. And you know that it may sound like a lot, but it isn't because the technology is becoming more and more affordable as it progresses. Exactly. So, I mean, even $3,000, if you think about it, a good gaming laptop will cost you $3,000 yeah. as well as a good business laptop. So it's really not that much, um, especially for a technology that really has, if you think about it, could replace, you know, two, three monitors of you, of yours, and allows you to work from anywhere with any screen estate that you like. Yeah. And, that, and that's a really great point right there. Okay, so let's, let's move on a little bit more to, to different industries because one of, the, one of the things that I love about your website is that you've got some amazing use cases. And, uh, you know, let's talk about the insurance industry. Can you talk a little bit about how that can help insurance? So one of our clients, for instance, Liverpool Victoria Insurance, and they wanted to use it for the assessment of client buildings. So imagine by now an assessor needs to come assess your client, uh, assess your building in order to give you a quote. And they walk through it and they take annotations and in the end they need to remember all of that, the specific areas, and then talk to the underwriter, communicate it, and the underwriter makes a decision whether to offer you a quote in the first place or not, and at what price. What we've done is we created an application, HoloLens, that assists the assessor in conducting the assessment. And he can walk through the building and place risk markers in the real world. So, for instance, this constitutes a fire risk or an obstruction risk. And the beauty is that the client can actually view it through their HoloLens, have a shared experience to then see basically risk from the, under, uh, from the assessor's perspective. And then the last option, the uh, underwriter can join in in a remote experience, see what the assessor sees and really have a virtual walkthrough and then make an offer to a client on the spot. And obviously the benefits are not just limited to the actual assessment and quote, but also since I can record with what the assessor is seeing, I can use it later for training documentation. 
And don't forget, HoloLens actually creates a 3D model of the space. So when the assessor is done, they can simply save the 3D model to the hard drive of the HoloLens and then upload it to the CRM portal, to their own CRM portal. That means once I've got the client's building captured, I can do a lot more stuff with it. That's phenomenal because you actually, it's like taking a trip there and you could always refer yes. back to it. Exactly. Cool. And it's referring back to it. That's really one of the key features of HoloLens is what we call holographic persistence, meaning that we actually save the space with the information that is created. And if the assessor comes back next year, the information are still in the same place. That's even better than being there in person. Yes. Great. That's a great picture of Richard Branson on your website, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. It's a pleasure to meet him and introduce him to the magic of HoloLens. Yes, absolutely. So, Max, this is a really cool technology. Very exciting. How did you get started in all this? So, as you said, you know, we started off as kind of being specialized in rapid prototyping. And I opened the, I founded the company while I was actually still studying here in London at Imperial College. And one of our first clients was Lloyds Banking Group, who wanted a prototype for Google Glass. Um, and we were going for about one and a half years doing various uh, prototyping projects from our beacons to augmented reality to virtual reality and so forth for big companies. And as part of that, we always looked into the news tech and HoloLens came out. And unfortunately, we weren't on the list to get one of the first devices, but we're not really hindered by that. We rather see it as a creative challenge. So eBay is our friend. And I actually bought the first, first HoloLens on the eBay in the US. I flew over a couple of days later to pick it up, took it out of the box, put it on my head, turned it on, saw the first hologram, took it off my head, turned it off, went back to eBay, bought another one. Because I knew this was, this was it. This will change the way we, we interact with digital information from the ground up. And that's what I want to do pretty much for the next couple of years. And we took it back to the UK and actually we had quite some trouble selling the first project because people didn't, didn't get it until they tried it. So we just went around our clients' existing offices and um, simply demoed it to them and everyone started buying. And I always get asked the question like, you know, what works for you? Which industries, which projects? I say, our problem is that everything works. We have insurance clients, we have construction clients, we've got architects, We've got engineers, we've got service people, we've got creators, anything. Because everyone sees the power of holograms and everyone realizes that this will change the way we do business. Yeah, that's a very pivotal point right there. So what was your decision when you realized that you could actually start a business on this technology? For me, it was... Um, it was interesting because um, it was quite a conscious process to say, okay, let's give this a try. I always had to fall back kind of, we still got, you know, we still received quite a lot of prototyping inquiries um, to focus on HoloLens, but seeing the opportunities there, there. And basically um, my father, when he started off um, in the middle of his career, it was the time when Bill Gates came knocking to IBM to sell DOS to him. And I've always heard the story that, you know, he was, Kind of part of the group of evaluating it and he was responsible for for the amadeus project at the time to create the world's first uh, airline ticketing system 
and then seeing that many of the technologies we use today, many programming languages like Ruby, which make things super easy to test or to prototype or to develop, didn't exist back then. And looking at HoloLens, it kind of feels like in the same environment, like a lot of things that we need that would be great don't exist yet. Mm -hmm. Think about kind of these shared experiences. A lot of stuff around that is completely new. Even Microsoft hasn't done it. The examples released by Microsoft are really not, you know, are helpful, but not there yet. And that's where we feel we can constantly push the boundary. We can push the edge. And sometimes we run into a challenge. We get asked by someone and say, can you not call someone? It's like, no, there is no one who's tried that before. And entering kind of this adventure is a lot of fun. And I think in today's time, or for me, my personal life philosophy is that I want a job that is fun, that doesn't feel like work. I go, you know, I, I'm here on, on Sundays, sometimes in the office even, and I look forward to Mondays because I get to talk with my, with my people again about cool HoloLens apps that they might try out over the weekend, about ideas they've had, about people they've met, about reactions about it. And I get to make people smile. Because when you put on HoloLens in someone's head for the first time, they will naturally just smile. <laughs> Love that. And you know, what you just said right now is the number one best practice for all successful entrepreneurs and business owners. And that is, and to quote Gary Vaynerchuk in his book, <laughs> Crush It, um, right, right in the beginning of the book, he says, if you want to become successful, live your passion. And yes. That's exactly what you've articulated. And, you know, to that point, last night I was on a uh, video conference from 8.30 to 11.30 at night and then spent another two hours working. And here I am in the morning back at the office and, yeah, it doesn't feel like work. And that's really what, what you need to do. And it was a decision. You know, you decided that, hey, you know, here's something that I'm interested in doing and as long as you're interested and stimulated and passionate about it, it's not work. It's not drudgery. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of, you know, what I feel like, you know, like what I've found. I mean, before I had a lot of fun as well. And it's kind of equal amount of fun. But this is a lot more opportunity in a very specific field. Absolutely. So, Max, as you were building your business, what were some of the ups and downs along the way? I would definitely say the ups in terms of the opportunities and challenges that I was presented with as a CEO. Uh, I'm 28 right now. So I started a business when I was, you know, 25 and a half, 26 years old. Um, and everything feels like when you encounter a challenge, like a positive bump to lift you up if you approach it from the, from the right perspective. And I always loved puzzles. So in, as a managing director, as a CEO, I'm faced every day with a new puzzle. I go like, great, let's solve it. Let's find a creative solution to that. And I was just visiting a friend in New York who also has a business and we were talking about people. And he was really you know, annoyed and said, I have so much trouble finding passionate people that stay late and share my dream, share my vision. And he was really annoyed by it. And I said, well, my friend, it's, it's, it's a great thing because if we can figure out how to find the right people, how to find the best candidates, then we've got a unique selling proposition against anyone else. If, totally. if it would be easy for everyone, there would not really be a big deal. And this is really kind of what provides me with the app, the challenges that I encounter. Downs for me, we're making hard decisions that are sometimes 
you know, can seem for the individual unfair, letting someone go, realizing that some people do not share the same values that I do. And right now the company is myself. If you have a small medium enterprise with less than 20 people, the company is the CEO. And if you've got people that don't share the same values, it's not fun anymore. And then realizing that it might be best for them to move on and find something different that first just appears at letting someone go for the sake of it, but also making this hard decision to enable them to find an environment where their values match the company values and they can grow and then realize their potential. I think that's something that, you know, was a very tricky challenge that I'm still working on today to, to, to deal with and find a good approach to overcome. Yeah. And that is something that keeps many business owners up at night. You know, those decisions about whether to let someone go and what the implications are going to be. And if this person is a popular person in the company, what, what's the impact going to be on morale uh, and just in a tough economy as well, what's going to happen to their family. So I can certainly appreciate that as being uh, a challenge. Exactly. So, so Max, what keeps you motivated every day? I would definitely say the, the opportunities, the smiles of the people. You know, people can't imagine like how much it means but, and how much benefit I derive from it. But going to, you know, UC Expo, demoing HoloLens to people for the first time. And they just can't stop talking about it. I remember I showed it for the first time to one of my mentors and advisors in London, um, and he advised me on sales and I showed it to him and he was like, wow, now I get it. Like, why are you doing it? And he's usually a fairly quiet guy, you know, a little bit introverted, but you know, he really knows his stuff. And during at night at like 9 PM, he calls me on that day and says, Max, couldn't stop thinking about it. Have you tried this? You know, have you thought about selling it to these people? And that's when I knew is that it just doesn't leave you alone anymore. And we've got many people that we approach cold and that go like, I'm not interested. And we're like, come on, you know, it's a great thing. You know, it's revolutionary. We come for free, just a demo, you know. You don't like us then or you don't like the technology. We're out in 10 minutes. Just need 10 minutes of your time. And the next day we do a demo a week later and people just like come to their other meetings and say, can you stay? Can you show it to my managing director? Can you show it to my CEO? And it's just fun, you know, we, we, never, we never hard sell. We don't, never have to hard sell and say, you really need this. You know, it's like people just get it. And it lights people up. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, both from an employee perspective, we get, you know, as I said, you know, I was talking to my friend, the CEO of a different company, and he was saying, how do you get, you know, applicants? How do you find new people? I said, I don't, because they come to me. <laughs> we're one of the few people that solely specialize in HoloLens work. They've got the work, they've got the projects and the experience that they just apply. They just want to work with it. That's fun. And that's exactly to your point, the vision that you had or that idea that you had, where if you can get motivated people, now you've got an, you've got an advantage over the rest of the market. And there you go. You built that. Exactly. And, you know, what keeps me motivated, my personal mission is to build a workplace where everyone can reach their full potential. And that's something that I've always set out to do. 
because I sometimes felt like even though I enjoyed, you know, my internships and everything, that um, it wasn't really meant for me to allow myself to kind of reach my fullest potential. And that's what, what I wanted to change for my business. Um, and people have to undergo kind of a six-month trial probation period. And after that, it's really kind of about helping them to realize their full potential. Beautiful. So, Max, you, you know, you've built this awesome business, a really exciting place. And I can imagine a lot of people would love to work in your company. Um, you know, there's a statistic that many small businesses fail during the first year, second year in business, and so on. Where do you think entrepreneurs may be going wrong? What advice would you offer them? I don't think entrepreneurs go wrong. I would simply say, you know, keep your eyes open when you enter the game, meaning that expect failure. Because just by statistics, you are probably going to fail. And I had the pleasure of teaching um, an entrepreneurship summer school at Imperial College. And what I said to them was similar to you now is just by probability, half of you will fail in the first year. Another half of the remaining will fail in the second year. And some further and some further, and maybe five of 100 students are left that actually have businesses that really grow and that maybe make more than 10 million after three, four, five years. So the rest of you, the 90 people, will ask the 10 for jobs. So rather be friendly to everyone in your course because you never know. But the important thing is that, you know, the same with finding a partner. Don't just be thrown off by not finding a partner the first time around. You will need many tries because it is something hard. It takes many tries. And for a business, it, you might offer something which the market does not want. And you need to set yourself kind of the red line and say, okay, I'm not going past this one. Then I'm going to the next idea. And I'll try another one and another one and another one. And it's the same for us. I've got my personal red line where I'm just saying, I can't go further than this. Then I'll try something else. Because I actually just enjoy the challenge. And you know, right now it's mixed reality and HoloLens. And if it becomes boring, I'll do something else. Yeah. And you know, one thing that sets successful people apart is their lack of fear of failure. Because failure is required in order to succeed. You need to know what doesn't work just as much as, as you need to know what does work. And that's how you figure out what works. Hmm. Exactly. Um, and that's, you know, Will Smith once said it kind of very nicely. It's kind of like when you go for a skydive, you're kind of worried before, the day before, the week before, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, would I do this? You know, it's so risky. And then you kind of get into the plane, you sit on the edge and you're worried and you're worried. And then at some point you jump out and you're worried and worried parachute might open. You've jumped out. There is no chance of going back. You know, you've made your decision like, Yes, I get, you know, that you might be worried in a plane when a door pops open for the first time, but there's no reason to be worried before. There's no reason to be worried after the jump. Maybe just before the door opens. And being an entrepreneur feels like doing that jump. And, you know, hopefully we won't have a fail in skydiving. But, you know, smile, go through it. The, the, you know, I personally always find that the, most, the negative experiences are the ones I benefit most from. Every time a proposal gets not accepted, I chase the client really hard for it and say, why didn't you accept it? Mm -hmm. And they can tell me quite specifically and say, you know what? I didn't like you. Or I didn't like the price. I didn't like the timeline. My boss didn't like it. Or the client, kind of an internal sponsor, pitched it to the big boss. 
And every time I have quite a specific idea why it didn't go through. And for the next time, I'll try to learn it. One simple thing is that I've learned over the years is never let a client internally pitch a project for you. Mm-hmm. You're the expert. You pitch the project to the budget holder. And we will just simply not send a proposal anymore. Even if someone really asks Hans, I need something to show to my boss. It's like, great. I'm happy to meet your boss. Oh, no, that doesn't work. It's like, sorry. You know, if he has questions, you can't answer them because you're an expert. You aren't an expert. He won't like the whole project. Things like that. So same as kind of a failure in entrepreneurship. Just, you know, go through it with a smile. See it as a learning opportunity. Great. Max, this technology that you're involved with is going to explode very soon. Where do you see yourself taking this business, say, five years down the line? Five years down the line, I mean, you see that, you know, HoloLens and mixed reality devices have shrunk down, have access to the consumer market. So we got a lot more availability of the devices and ubiquitous distribution of the devices. It moves into consumer homes and therefore becomes a mass market product. Businesses will have started to adopt it widespreadly, kind of going from um, the innovators to early adopters to the general adopters. Maybe we already start kind of targeting late adopters we really have to educate about the use of HoloLens. Even my mum might, might start to use HoloLens or mixed reality in the future. And I think for, for Kazindi as a business, where we want to move to is have a stronger kind of split between product and, and service business. So allow us to derive independent revenue um, from our services business in form of products. So right now we start to offer, uh, starting a new proposition called Holo Showroom, which allows interior designers and decorators to place virtual furniture and kit out a client's facility using HoloLens. And that's software as a service package for around £399 per month, where we support and provide a wide label solution. It's going to be exciting to see how this technology pans out for sure. Hmm. So, I absolutely agree. I mean, I'm, you know, every day is something new. And that's the fun bit about it. And sometimes the news makes me you know, worried that more people are going to join in and we have more competition. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like, and probably every entrepreneur watching, watching your podcast will probably see it, has experienced it before. You kind of hear about, you know, you tell a friend what you do and they message you and go like, hey, I've heard that this company also does that. And you go like, I want to be the only one doing it. I don't want to have competition. But at the end of the day, just be reminded that competition proves that there is a market. Mm-hmm. The more competition you have, the more attractive the market is. Like any investor, any good investor will not invest in a new company that is the only provider of the solution in the whole market after two, three years. Because as long as you're not a hard science venture, really with something that no one has ever come up with before, if there's no one else doing it, it is probably not a good idea. <laughs> That's an amazing perspective. Again, totally mind-blowing. <laughs> Max, if you could go back in time, let's say 12 months, would there be anything different that you'd do? Sometimes I wonder, we're now you know, seven, eight people, but I should have hired even more aggressively. On the other hand, it's good to kind of take some time on learning one of the challenges that I currently face is, for instance, we are eight people, which is probably the most horrible number to manage because I'm still doing my day-to-day work. So I'm still selling, I'm still managing projects, I'm still doing a bit of marketing, 
and accounting and strategy and CEO stuff. Well, sometimes just cleaning out the dishwasher <laughs> in the company office. And in addition to that, I need to manage seven people. And seven people want weekly feedback, want you know, my time to help them through stuff. And I want to be the resource provider to them in the form of information and tools and advice and sometimes just patting on the back. But that really stresses someone out and, you know, you get to a maximum limit, which you can't do. And I discussed with a friend and he said, the maximum you can really manage by yourself is maybe six people if you just focus on managing. You don't do anything operationally yourself anymore. And breaking through this limit, going from, you know, four, five, six people to around 25 to actually stop doing anything operationally myself. That's kind of the current challenge that we face. And some of us have wondered because HoloLens is new and yes, we've got a great number of projects, probably more than, than anyone else kind of publicly announced at least, um, kind of seizing the opportunity earlier by hiring more people. But on the other hand, we don't have any uh, investor, investor money, we, you know, um, we don't have any other shareholders in the business and this opens up, you know, unique opportunities itself. And we don't have any pressure to grow. And we're yeah. not pressured to go into a certain direction. So I'm quite happy the way we are, where we are right now. And I might, might say in a year's time, oh, I should have taken the VC money and, you know, hired 25 people and maybe grown too fast. Because, you know, right now we've, we have no trouble finding clients. But if you have, need to sustain 25 people and need to make NVC happy, that's a whole different dimension of money you need to make on a monthly basis. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, once you have that debt load and you're under pressure, you can't be as creative as you are today. Exactly. And we want to keep the possibility open of pivoting and still having fun every day. That's, I think, one of the crucial things in the company. Absolutely. So, Max, talk, talking about the way your business is running and, and the products that you're and the services that you're developing, who would you consider to be an ideal client for your company? An ideal client would be a blue chip organization kind of with more than 1,000, 2,000 employees um, that has a need for kind of or sees the opportunity of using HoloLens for revolutionary change. So to give you an idea, kind of one of our clients is a, is a gas provider in Berlin. And they want to use HoloLens for the maintenance of gas amateurs. And the beauty about that is really that you throw out the tablet, bring in the HoloLens to allow engineers to do hands-free maintenance, remote assistance, viewing 3D CAD models on the HoloLens to assist the engineer. And that really transforms how maintenance is done and has a transformative change on all business processes. And this is something that is truly just amazing to be involved at. And I just, you know, sometimes think back to my dad that, you know, he introduced computers to businesses, to, you know, airlines, to airports in form of picketing systems that just changed how it was done before on paper or using, using uh, fax machines or whatsoever at the time. And kind of having the same opportunity now to throw out the tablet, throw out the smartphone and bring in the HoloLens. Um, that's great. So, Max, uh, this may be a trick question. Um, what do you like doing for fun? I love to play the guitar. Uh, I've just started two months ago because I actually um, got to the point, and it's, it's a funny story you know, to some extent. Some people would say it's a sad story. Um, someone asked me the same question two months ago. 
And I said to him, I like work. And he said, what do you mean? It's like, I work a fair amount. And he said, what do you do in the weekends? It's like, I'm in the office on Saturday and maybe in the office on Sunday. And he said, okay, kind of left it there. Kind of went away and said, okay, I need to actually start to have a private life and actually do some things for fun. So the next weekend, I booked myself in for a guitar lesson and started playing the guitar. And uh, the weekend after that, I bought an Xbox and now try to do other things. And I find it truly helpful to just tune out a bit, get, you know, enjoy the other sides of, of life. Um, I still do work a fair amount um, and I still have fun every day I'm doing it. It's kind of finding the right balance in between. I think for everyone that's passionate about their business, we'll have trouble finding this, this golden balance in between yeah. private fun and business fun. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. And we have something in common about our love for guitar. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So Max, our audience is really excited about the solutions that your company provides. And we've had so many questions come in. Um, so what I'd like to do is go through some of the questions that the audience sent in. So our first question is from Will Corley. He's a technical engineer in the telecommunications industry in Piscataway, New Jersey. So Bill asks, where do you see this technology going and is it designed for personal entertainment or business use and how? So right now it's solidly designed for business use. Um, Microsoft advertises a developer edition and theoretically only sells it to, to businesses. Um, however, now the first mixed reality devices for consumer users are launching uh, with Acer and Dell being on the forefront. And to give you an idea, HoloLens right now is 3,000 US dollars and the Dell and Acer headsets will be priced around $449. So really already bringing, bringing the price down. And then we'll see a greater proliferation with complete new use cases such as gaming for the consumer market. Awesome. Okay, so our next question is from Scott Schober, who's the president and CEO of Berkeley Veritronic Systems, and he's a leading expert in cybersecurity in the touch in New Jersey. So Scott says, Apple's 10th anniversary iPhone 8 will be introducing augmented reality software for their mobile iOS later in 2017. Uh, they will allow developers to design augmented reality apps for iOS that can benefit from some of the new 3D sensors, which I think is exciting. Do you think that Apple's entry into AR will be a game changer and take virtual reality and augmented reality to the next level? Absolutely. I mean, it makes it kind of accessible to, to a wider range of people. And what we see is basically technologies such as HoloLens employ 3D scanners and other technologies to make mixed reality work. What Apple is trying to do with AR kits, and we've played around with it a little bit, is basically using photo analysis to do the same thing without the sensors. Because building four 3D scanners into an iPhone is not really feasible, both from a cost perspective and engineering perspective. But you basically want to replicate what HoloLens does on a simple mobile phone. And that really opens up the opportunity then to do the same things or similar things on your mobile phone, even if it's just more basic use cases. And seeing a big player like Apple throw its weight behind and says, yes, I'm recognizing that this is really cool and not just cool, but has huge opportunities for everyone is a crazy thing to think. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. 
So our next question is from David Murphy, Business Development Manager with Natterbox in London. Uh, David has two questions. So his first question is, studies point to customer service and experience as being the key differentiator between brands over pricing and product in the next four to five years. What ideas do you have around AR, VR, igniting the way in which organizations can serve their customers for the better? So to answer that, actually with an example, if you go, and I'll send you the link later so you can maybe put it uh, in the description. Yeah. We've just launched last week together with Remy Martin, um, which is a famous luxury alcohol brand doing, producing cognacs. A unique, the world's first luxury brand experience in HoloLens together with Jeremy Renner, which you might have seen in the Avengers uh, playing Hulk uh, in, L in LA. And the amazing thing is that you can learn in, in a holographic environment how cognac is made. And you really see the Fine Champagne region within the cognac region in France, the chalk coming out of a physical table that we've designed specifically for this purpose. And then seeing the roots grow from the chalk and the vines grow, then put in barrels for aging and which later produces the fine XO cognac. And you see the tasting notes in holographic form floating around while you're given a glass of XO to try. Wow. Think about what that will do for marketing. Absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, that is, uh, that's the next question that David had, which is a follow-up. How will VR affect the way in which organizations market their products? Hmm. So this is the question, kind of the way he phrases this about virtuality. And virtuality, I know about, but I'm probably not the expert to speak about it. But for mixed reality, I can tell you that it will, it will completely change the way organizations are affected and, and how business conducts it through kind of, I think for me, one of the most transformative changes, and it's also the difference to VR, is the possibility of shared experiences. Being able to be in the same space at once and see the same virtual information without being crammed in front of a computer or in front of a small mobile phone screen is just changing the way we collaborate. Our next question is from Henry Foster, Natterbox in London. Uh, he has, Henry has two questions. First question is, what impact do you think VR and AR can have on how organizations sell? And then the second question as a follow-up, what impact do you feel VR, AR will have on adoption rates for other new technologies? So Henry, great question. We actually developed for our client Goodfellow, um, who are um, a very niche science shop in the UK or, or globally, um, to allow scientists to buy specific materials for, for research purposes. So for instance, they do uh, gold in 100 different forms. So if you need it in a honeycomb pattern or in a gold foil, one millimeter thick, 0.1 millimeter thick, or nanometer thick, you can go to Goodfellow to buy it. And what they wanted is a visualization of their many different products. So they've got over 70,000 products in stock that they do. And it's quite hard to explain to scientists what they specifically do. And they're not just limited historically to kind of one category because they've now expanded. So we created a, a visualization for their sales team to take to customers where they put on their HoloLens, you see the six basically different um, forms or material categories, and then see the forms available for that. And you can simply move them around. And yes, you might say this is gimmicky and it's gamey. And you know what? It is gamey because it's fun. One thing is that research studies have found is that um, seeing holographic information in 3D actually accesses a different part of your brain. 
called spatial understanding. And also the ability to have spatial audio is another feature in there so I can really hear where sound is coming from. But at the same time, I could, for instance, give a client a, a physical form, so for instance, a gold fall in the head while in the hand while they watch the holographic information, a speaker talking about it. And if we now remember that in school or in university, we were taught in order to learn smart, try to connect as many sensory experiences as possible to a single piece of information to help you retain that memory. On HoloLens, we've got 3D models, spatial understanding. We've got audio information, but we've also got haptics and we could even smell something. That allows me to retain information three to four times better compared to just looking at a piece of paper. So yes, it is fun, but it also has an impact because people actually remember what you're telling them. And that is really changing the way we sell. And regarding the second question, how it will affect the adoption of new technologies, I think, you know, I was just talking to a, a potential client today and he said, you know, Max, my role is kind of introducing new technologies to the business. And I really see HoloLens as one of the things that everyone will just get. And they may go like, that's, that's just amazing. And showing them the benefit of that and showing them a positive use case will hopefully open them up to other technologies and to be not scared of them, but rather embrace them and their opportunities. Um, okay, so our next question is from Busi Komar, also from Matterbox in London. And Busi asks, what are the top two to three reasons why B2B companies should use AR and VR to differentiate themselves in the market? I mean, it's not just, you know, it's a very general question. Um, it's not just business using it to differentiate itself from other businesses, more specific purposes or purposes within the business. So the sales department or marketing department. Obviously, at first it's a differentiator because you're the first one using it. But if you think about mixed reality, it's about creating an environment where you can actually adopt the new technology. And HoloLens makes that fairly easy because people love it, people get it, people want to play with it. And if your organization is, has undergone this transformational change, you're open for other technologies as well. So you can potentially speed up your innovation process compared to other organizations, creating a true unique selling proposition. But specifically about the technology, take the insurance industry, for instance. I was talking to a C-level executive, uh, a board member for, for one of the world's largest insurance companies. And we were talking about it and, you know, he said, Max, this, I don't care whether it says HoloLens on that thing or not. In two years, it might say Apple, it might say Samsung. For me, in my strategic position, it really doesn't matter. But I'll give you the one thing is that we will access, we will work on a daily basis with 3D information. And my role as a board member is to think so far ahead to actually make the organization ready to work with them. Meaning that our think lines that we currently use, which save money, don't really work, might not work anymore in two, three years because just to handle 3D data on a normal desktop requires machines with a lot more processing power. And I might also need to train people on accessing 3D information, how to model them, how to view them. So I need completely different, a different workforce with different skills. Many young people are now equipped because they're so used from gaming to just simply move around in a game environment. And introducing mixed reality or virtual reality to the business will allow them to get this understanding, leverage the benefits, but then also shape the organization and say, you know, for an insurance company, for instance, why are we actually still going out to businesses to assess their building in person? Why not just send a student with a 3D scanner? And once we've got the information, we've got it for the rest of the lifetime of the building. 
as long as it's not being majorly overhauled in the inside. Really creating step change in industries. Okay, our next question is from Ken Heron, Chief Marketing Officer of Unified Inbox in Orlando, Florida. Ken says, hi Max, can you speak to what you see as the pros and cons of Visor slash Google-based versus projection-based AR systems? For example, if my company is new to AR, which do you recommend I invest in and why or why not? A sample use case would be a worker replacing a part in a new machine like we discussed earlier. So we've seen um, kind of in the, in the work environment, there are different specialty providers. So you've got, for instance, Realware, which manufactures a heads-up display on a construction helmet um, with a 10-hour battery life, which is great running Android as far as I know. You've got technologies such as Vuzix, um, which are also heads-up displays in front of your, in front of your eye. Uh, many use cases in the logistics industry for picking. It's fairly cheap. It's like three, $400 for a single pair. Um, and then you've obviously got technologies such as Google Glass, similar idea, heads-up display, slightly see-through, slightly translucent, not in your, in your field of view. And then you've got technologies such as Microsoft HoloLens, which really cover your field of view and completely place different information and a lot more expensive. So are in the range of 3,000 US dollars. For the augmented reality space, the technology, as I said before, is fairly dumb. So you just show information and it's got limited use cases and for that, it works great. Um, so for instance, logistic picking processes where you need eight hours battery time, these uh, micro uh, TFT or LCD displays have fairly low power consumption. So it's actually similar displays which were, for instance, in a Pebble smartwatch. Everyone thought it was an e-ink display, but it's actually a low power LCD display because it wasn't ready e-ink at the time. Um, and these really allow you to uh, get the necessary battery lifetime out of it. But one thing I would uh, say is that um, if you try to think about using technology such as Android and you want to offer that to your clients, one of the problems that you find is 99% of the businesses run on Microsoft, on Windows. Doing something on Android and investing time, effort, uh, and creating Android-based systems doesn't really work for businesses because it does not have the same corporate security standards as Microsoft have, has. And it, it is often not compatible with the distribution rollouts that these businesses have. HoloLens, for instance, is fully MDM compliant. It's got BitLocker security, so it's the same Windows 10 infrastructure that you're used to. And you can actually open any Windows 10 UWP app already available on the store on HoloLens because it's actually a Windows device. So if you start to think about investing in these, it's like if you want something quick, isolated, fairly cheap, go for something like Vuzix. If you need something really niche, kind of for construction with hardhead use, you have to use something like Realware, for instance, because HoloLens is currently not available for construction helmet. But if you're truly thinking about changing your product offering to something like this and truly enhancing and future-proofing it for business use, not talking about consumer use, but business use, go for something like Microsoft HoloLens, which actually has the capabilities to be integrated later into a full corporate IT environment. And we're probably going to be seeing that coming out soon, especially with the way Microsoft is incorporating different components of uh, communications, you know, like for example, Microsoft purchasing Skype. And this is just a, a, a next step that's uh, in the, here in the near future. Yeah. I mean, for us, these conversations already have begun. One of our clients asked us recently and said, I want to roll out a thousand HoloLenses. How do I charge all of them at once? How do I provide 
specific kind of casings or, or um, kind of shelving space to put them on because it's not a laptop. You know, we, we don't even have the environments for them. And how do I train a thousand people? And it's completely new questions and it's a new challenge to, to cope with. Yeah, for sure. Okay, our next question is from Alicia Baptiste, an IT consultant in Brooklyn, New York. So Alicia says, the fact that Google removed their product glass, how big is the challenge of combining real world with virtual or augmented reality? I mean, luckily for us, Microsoft has sold that, uh, solved that challenge. Um, companies are going different directions. So Apple is going with AR kits in the form of analyzing the video footage from the camera and just trying to interpret by algorithms whether that's a, a flat surface or not. HoloLens using the, is using the 3D scanners and also gyroscopes within the, camera, within the headset, or Microsoft calls it more specifically, the inertia measurement unit. Similar to a gyroscope in your phone, it knows what the acceleration in each axis is in order to keep the hologram stable. And um, these are completely new, uh, not completely new challenges, actually challenges that have been worked on for, for a number of years. And one of the uh, kind of big things that we're talking about or technical terms is SLAM, simultaneous locomotion and, uh, and marking. So having the ability to, um, to position a virtual object um, on a wall and keep it stable while the camera moves around. Because what I need to do in every frame, so if you now imagine, for instance, the wall behind me, and you look at this brick over here, right? And you want to be able to position virtual information on this brick. When I now start to move the laptop, mm. what you need to do on a software level is for every frame, so generally a video has 30 frames per second, I need to redraw this rectangle and say, this is where I want the information to be done. But obviously if I change the angle and the perspective, the distance and the width of these lines around it will change. So my program needs to be smart in interpreting that. What HoloLens does is it recognizes the 3D shape of it and says, ah, I know that this hasn't changed even from that angle because I've still got the 3D information because the 3D information doesn't change even though the color, for instance, or the texture of it changes. And Apple's trying to solve their software perspective, which is a lot harder, but obviously would make it a lot more consumer accessible because you, need not, you don't need new hardware necessarily, depending how uh, much optimized the algorithm is. Now, do you find uh, that you need to collaborate with businesses in AI, artificial intelligence? Not yet for us, but that's definitely something what Apple is doing, or hopefully probably is doing. Um, in order to, to um, improve the technology in the future. Yeah, I definitely see that going in that direction. Great. Alicia has a follow-up question. Can you predict the future of AR in healthcare, education, and marketing? So Pearson is one of the launch partners, actually, of Microsoft HoloLens in the education industry. And... I love what they're doing. And if you just uh, search for Pearson HoloLens on YouTube, you'll see it is um, what they've done is they've recorded patients uh, or actors playing patients in holographic form. That means that young doctors can now learn what, uh, what used to have the actors have to do. So play victims or play, play um, 
people that suffer from certain diseases in an angry manner or whatsoever in order for them to kind of spot the symptoms. And it's really hard to train the actors because obviously you never had that disease. So you need to talk to people who suffer from it. And it's a long process and it's quite specialized. But now that you've recorded them in holographic form, I can simply put them in life size in my living room and start to look around and say, oh, okay, where does he crouch? He kind of seems to be in pain or not. You know, does he have a rash behind his ear or on his forehead? And now I can do that quite easily in the comfort of my place using HoloLens. And this is just one of the many ways how mixed reality and HoloLens will revolutionize healthcare. Our next question is from Carissa Campbell, Vice President, Marketing and Account Strategy at JSA and Associates. Carissa asks, I see from your website that Kazenia has worked with some amazing companies across the world. If you could select from all the companies in the world that you would most like to work with, what company would it be and why? Hmm. That's a good question. I would probably say Microsoft, simply because as the kind of creators of the technology, it would be an honor you know, to work with them on an equal level uh, and basically say, you're, you're the inventors of that and we're the experts in the application of applying the HoloLens technology to, to business challenges. And um, kind of working with them together on a project would just be great. That's phenomenal. Max, I know you're a busy guy. I'm going to let you go. Just before we do, how do people connect with you? Simply go to kazendi.com or shoot me an email at max at kazendi.com. And I'm happy to have a chat and give you a virtual demo of HoloLens. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes so people can get right to you. Max, are there any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience? I think, you know, simply go to a Microsoft store near you to try it out for yourself or come to London. We've got experience workshops on Monday and Friday and we'd love to have a chat. That's beautiful. So next time I'm in London, now that I know you've got these workshops, I'm coming over. Exactly. <laughs> Great. Cool. Great. Max, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom. It's been really great having you. Cheers. Bye-bye.